Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you, um, Jill and Emma, for leading the music and for Pete leading this morning. If you have a, a Bible in front of you, uh, please turn to Revelation chapter 4, which in the Church Bibles is on page 1030. Revelation chapter 4. Well, we're on our, our second week of thinking about um, who God made us to be and what God made us for. Last week, we said that Christ is restoring us to walk in obedience to God uh, because this is who God made us to be. This week is about worship because worship is what God made us for. Um, as we look at uh, Revelation 4 today, we'll, we'll actually start the reading from chapter 3, verse 21. So far, John has described his vision of Christ, uh, and Christ has spoken words uh, about seven churches, giving them a spiritual health assessment, if you like. And uh, from what Christ says about these churches, we, we sense that they're spiritually deflated or uh, feeling defeated. But Christ, well, Christ calls his church to be conquerors. He calls her to victory. Um, so from chapter 3, verse 21. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind the first living creature like a lion, the second living creature uh, like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. 
And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Let's pray. Father, as we, as we approach your throne, as we listen to your word, we pray that you would be with us, reveal yourself to us, that you would protect us from all evil and attack, that we would hear clearly your sermon preached this morning, that your words would ring true in our ears and would rest deeply in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, there's moments in life when you see something that just changes everything. Everything about your identity, your purpose, just totally changes. And I, I remember when uh, Fern was pregnant, and over the nine months, I remember seeing her become more and more of a mother every day. And at one point, she asked me, do you feel like a father? And I said, not really, no, I don't. Um, Fern had this intimate connection with um, our baby girl who was, who was growing inside her. And I knew that I was a father, um, and I knew our, our baby was in there, but I, I didn't really feel like it. But then the very moment Mia was, was born, as, as soon as I saw her, instantly I was in tears. I'm not a, a big crier in, in life, um, but I'd gone. And that was it. I saw our baby girl, and I was, I was filled with an unconditional love. Um, it was like everything about me had changed because I could see her. And when we read what happens in, in chapter 4, verse 1, I, I think it's safe to say John has had a, a life-changing moment. After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. John, he's, he's had a vision and he's heard Christ's voice, but now Christ says to John, come up here. And verse 2, John is taking up into the throne room of heaven, the control center of everything. And he sees, end of verse 2, the one who is seated on the throne. What a life-changing moment for John to see behind the veil, to see the throne of grace, of Christ's victory, to see him in glory, his throne. Yes, uh, John saw Jesus in the, in the flesh during his earthly ministry. He saw, he saw him nailed to the cross as he uh, comforted Jesus' mother um, as they watched him die. And after this, he also saw Jesus in his resurrected body. Uh, he saw the risen Jesus cook breakfast for him and the other disciples. And finally, he saw Jesus ascend to heaven. 
But there is nothing as transformative as seeing Christ on his throne in heaven, in glory, in all his holiness and majesty. Today, we live by faith. Uh, and when we, when we turn to Christ, he, he changed our destiny. He changed where we were heading. But like that transformative moment that I experienced when I could actually see my child, so will we all be so transformed when we see Christ in glory, on his throne with our eyes, in our resurrected bodies. In 1 John chapter 3, he says, We are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him. Seeing God in uh, theological terms is called the beatific vision. As we live by faith now, we, we have God in our hearts. We, we meet him in his word, we pray to him, we receive his grace through sacraments. But one day we will see him with our eyes and fully behold him with our soul and happily into eternity we shall go. As we encounter Christ this morning through these words, for anyone amongst us who, who's still unsure about Christ, still holding back from giving your life to him, I hope today that this encounter with Christ will be life-changing for you. And for all of us, as we, as we let John be our eyes this morning, as we approach the throne, I, I hope we're all moved to a deeper sense of worship. Worship for our Lord and our Savior, our prophet who speaks today his sermon to us, our priest who pours out his blessings on us, our king who is in full control over all things that happen to us. Quite simply this morning, as you'll see on the back of the order of service, our first point is to take us to the throne. And then in our second point, we'll think about the appropriate response, which has to be on our knees in worship. So point one, on his throne. One uh, writer describes worship as what happens when we draw near to God. And the Bible has lots of words for this drawing near to God worship. One of the words for worship can mean all of life worship. Worship in our work, uh, what we do with our hands, our craft. And worship in our daily service of others, as we serve the ones we love and our neighbors. But the same word is also used for uh, gathered worship, as the church praising and meeting with God, just like this. Now, what's the point? The point is that worship covers every aspect of our lives. Any moment we're not drawing nearer to God, then something or someone else is drawing us away. Question one of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. 
What is the chief end of man? The answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. God has made us for worship. God made us to be with him. Now, usually when we want to refocus ourselves towards God as we uh, draw nearer to him, um, and especially when we're at church on on a Sunday, we tend to think of worship as looking to the cross, the cross of Christ. But Revelation helpfully points us to the throne. We live and worship today before the one on his throne. Notice John doesn't actually name the one on the throne, verse 2. And even as he describes what he sees from verse 3 onwards, John doesn't mention a name. And I think this is because the, the details of the, the drama of, of what's happening on the throne will come in chapter 5. Right now, in chapter 4, this is about standing in awe, beholding. You know the song, Behold Our God Seated on His Throne. We're being moved to a deeper sense of worship like the the living creatures of uh, verse 8 who are gathered around the throne saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We approach the throne and the one who sits on it with awe, dazzled and amazed by his infinite purity and power. But it's also important to acknowledge some challenges as we, as we read this description. As we read John's uh, description of this incredible uh, experience, rather than be changed and moved into a, a deeper sense of worship, we, we might actually be left a bit confused. For example, verse 3. What are these gemstones and this, this emerald-colored rainbow? And there's lots of suggestions that point back to the Old Testament priests and the, the sign of grace. But most importantly, we need to realize John's, he's trying to describe the indescribable. That's why he gives us things that are dripping in Old Testament imagery and symbolism. In the best way he knows how, he's saying, This is where all power and beauty point towards. This is the throne of Christ's victory for his church. The first readers of this letter, they they lived during the victorious times of the Roman Empire, who absolutely dominated the world. But how small and insignificant the Roman Empire seems against this real and true throne of victory. John isn't just informing us of of one on on his throne or giving us lots of weird details. He wants to express how amazing, how beautiful and powerful this is. 
everything that we can conceive as being powerful or glorious or beautiful, this outdoes it. Notice from verse 4 to 8, as he describes the, uh, the 24 thrones of the 24 elders and their white garments and golden crowns, the, the sky of thunder, you can almost feel the, the heat of the fire of the lamps and the, 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 the roar of the, the thunder. And what about verse 6, this, this sea that uh, is like crystal before the throne, like a sea of ice. The sea in the Bible is usually a symbol of chaos and evil, but here it seems like it's frozen like ice. It's calm, solid, controlled. And then following on from that, we've, we've got uh, creatures that are like a lion, an ox, a man, an e- and an eagle, uh, and perhaps rep- you know, representing all created beings. There's lots to say and many books to read about all these descriptions. But notice how throughout, all throughout this, John always keeps the throne central. Everything is in relation to the throne. Around the throne, each side of the throne, from the throne, before the throne. By faith, we, we approach the throne. By faith, we daily... We live daily before the throne. Sometimes we, we look around um, at our situation, our lives, we make assessments. We make assessments perhaps like Christ did of the seven churches in chapters 1 to 3. Maybe we uh, assess Edinburgh North Church. Maybe we assess our families, ourselves individually. And sometimes we're, we're left saying things don't look good. We're not in a strong position here. As we assess our spiritual health, we don't always feel like we're actually being restored. Often, uh, in my case, I feel like I'm, I'm just becoming more tired. Our hearts on Sunday can feel so far from being filled with passionate worship let alone all the other days of the week. But that's because it's so easy, almost instinctive, to live by sight, assess with what we see instead of by faith. We feel conquered, not conquerors, because that's how it looks and how it feels. There's nothing more invigorating and and leading us to a victorious life of worship than realizing hidden, hidden in the spiritual realm is Christ on his throne at the right hand of the Father in full power and control. Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. If only we were better at living by faith and not by sight. Surely every moment of every day we'd be drawing nearer to God. Surely we'd start and end each day on our knees in worship. And each moment of worship 
Each moment that we do draw near to God is a victory. What a, what a surprising and perhaps an odd picture for people who are yet to give their, their lives to God and know this to be true. Our knees, on our knees, our hands together in prayer, in worship of God. Or, or maybe like people used to do, on our knees with our arms stretched out before God. It's, not, it's easy to, to dismiss that the, uh, the physical expression of prayer actually means anything. But what if sometimes our, our posture, our physical posture, actually expresses the, the passion in our hearts? I find sometimes um, my physical uh, posture will actually tell me a lot of what's going on in, in my heart as I'm praying. Sometimes as I'm distracted by something during prayer or I'm embarrassed to show people that I'm praying, perhaps that's just the feeling of defeat by the world around me. For the first readers of this letter, who, who may very well have been called to, to worship Caesar like a god, how hard it would have been to, to stay strong to know and trust in the, the full power and victory of Christ on his throne. It has been so hard to follow the example of the 24 elders in verse 10, who fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. I love that repetition in verse uh, 11 of, of you. Worthy are you, for you created all things. By your will they existed. But just like the, the first readers, what we, we see with our eyes are, are people who make a, a claim for what belongs to the one on the throne. They make a claim uh, for the authority and the, the, the power. But when we live by faith, by faith when we really encounter Christ looking to the throne we really are called to be conquerors. As we live by faith, knowing Christ is on his throne, surely we must fall down on our knees in worship. And even though to many people this looks like a posture of weakness, it is very much one of victory. Every time we we pray, we choose God is another victory. It's very easy to miss that. One night, uh, a minister took me and a few others from Cornhill to a, a worship service in a community center in Glasgow. And it was a, it was a fairly rough area. Uh, the building was very basic, 
And we went into this, this empty room, and each person had to, to pick a chair for themselves. And I think there was about 12 of us, something like that. And uh, someone passed around these, these really tatty old pieces of, of paper, and, and each one had song, song lyrics on. Uh, and someone just said, could anyone, anyone pick a song? What, what do you want to sing? And without any instruments, we just we started singing. It wasn't very good. None of us could really sing very well. Uh, and then the minister uh, gave us a 10-15 minute sermon on Luke's gospel. It was very simple. Uh, and then some people there, uh, there that night, they were, they were struggling with addiction. And so when uh, we were asked, you know, what are our prayer points, uh, this woman, she got up and said, please thank the Lord, I've been sober for 24 hours. And that was it, and she sat down. And I remember thinking, wow, that's so humbling. Are my prayer points motivated by such a dependence on God? Are they shaped by a desire to draw strength from the throne of victory? It was the most simple, basic service I've ever been to. And yet it was the most incredible, intensely real and authentic, and memorable times of worship I've ever had. How is that possible? In that old, horrible building, with no resources whatsoever, because in Christ we have access to the throne. His throne, his victory, is at the front and center of our lives and our worship. Whatever the situation, the circumstance, whatever we see with our eyes, if we remember not only the cross, but also the throne, our worship, our life is, is fueled and energized by victory. The throne is what drives the victorious Christian life. Listen to this from a Dutch Reformed minister in the 17th century. It is not sufficient to reflect only upon Christ's humiliation, as in the incarnation and the cross. Seeing and beholding his humiliation, in his humiliation, the atonement. To reflect only on these matters is the cause of much deadness, unbelief, and instability. However, the consideration of Christ's humiliation in conjunction with his exaltation in glory on his throne will yield much growth, comfort, and strength. That is the beginning of heaven where the beholding of Christ in his glory will be the eternal joy and occupation of the elect. Quote something. And I really like that bit saying that is the beginning of heaven. It's not that we worship the cross now and, and then one day we'll start to, to consider the throne. From the very first day we give our life to Christ, our worship, our life, is shaped by the cross and the throne 
we persevere through cross-shaped suffering, but we do so victoriously because of our throne-centered worship. Cross-shaped suffering, throne-centered worship. From the moment we entrust him with the care of our soul, we begin to worship the Christ who reigns in glory on his throne. The first day we turn to Christ is the first day of an eternity in worship of the everlasting king, his everlasting kingdom, his everlasting dominion. This is what God made us for. Let's pray. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Father, we pray that we would live by faith and not by sight. That we would meditate on the the wonders and the mystery of your cross, but that our lives and our worship would be driven and moved by the grace, the power, the dominion of your throne. We pray that as we sing just now, as we go about our lunch, that we would not live our lives considering all the suffering or all the pain. We would live our lives before your throne that we would see each moment as a victory when we turn to you, when we call to you, when we love and worship in your name. Amen.